0: I'm getting
1: ripped tonight. R.I.P. that that pussy. Hey. 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 Do you remember that one time when I was singing that and my mom came outside and yelled at us? Yeah. That was last night. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is episode six. Six? Why? I did that for episode four, uh, 104 too. (laughs) The fuck is, we're just starting over. Uh, this is episode 106. 100. I don't know why I went in early Minnesotan. Oh. This is episode, episode 106. Because you're frustrated and it just comes out. <laughs> you're right. Of <laughs> uh, I'm Sorry About the Podcast. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. She's uh drinking monster and just being Amanda. Just living my dream, as always. Uh, did I tell you you could talk yet? No, but I'm doing it anyway, you're so. You're real... Rebel, yeah. No, yeah. bitch. No. No, I don't think that, no, <laughs> no, I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> no, that's not what you're gonna say. <laughs> Stupid Sup, bruh. Sup, my brethren? Bruh? Bro? Brothers? Brethren Brethren <laughs> <laughs> Oh Amanda buys Bynes? Bines?
0: Not a lot of people talk about it, but she's also in uh, with her parents like Britney Spears
1: mm-hmm. and
0: can't get out of it because of her breakdown before. Yeah.
1: Man. Hashtag free Amanda. Yeah. Free me. Uh-huh. Free... Oh, we didn't tell people last week to spread the word or spread themselves. Oh, shit. Spread the word and
0: spread it yourselves, guys. And then we'll we'll say it again at the end so yeah. it's made up for. Right?
1: Yeah. It's like stopping twice at a stop sign because you blew the last one. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. I'll just stop again. I'll just stop twice at the next one. It's fine. <laughs> so we don't have a
0: lot of, like, updating to do since we're recording this right after the last one.
1: So, bitches ain't shit and you can't say nothing. That's what I'm saying.
0: All right. Solid. In the solid. words
1: of the late, great Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
0: solid, uh, solid statement. All right. <laughs> A million just try to tell me nothing a bees in the trap Bee, bees in the trap
1: okay well we're slowly dying inside so i'm fine i'm dying inside <laughs>
0: right i'm fine i lied i'm, I'm dying inside. inside and i live through tiktoks now so
1: it's true that's just it's where i'm at it's a sad sad day <laughs>
0: disassociating to tiktok it, it's
1: true <laughs> It's terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, now that you know we're pathetic, now that um, that we, now that you are aware, we're gonna just hop right into murder stories. How about that? How about that? How about that? How about that? I don't know why my brain made me say that three times, but I couldn't stop. Cause you have problems. I, it might be. I might have some latent OCD that just comes out randomly, like Sheldon with knocking. Maybe. I don't don't know, know. but that was weird because I literally could not stop saying it. Why that just (laughs) happened? Why did that just happen? I did not
0: tell my brain to do this.
1: (laughs) I hear you. I do stuff like that all the time. I hear you. I hear you. Oh shit! What do you got? Okay. Well, it's just a continuation, basically. All right. Tell me more. The Baton Rouge killings. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, did she have a car? Ew! I don't. That was gross. (laughs) Did you get very far? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, this is like the musical episode. We're like singing gonna, everything. You're just gonna break into song. Okay, well, after Lee's arrest, remember Great. Derek Todd, Todd Lee? I get confused with his three names. Yes, Derek Toddley Yes. Was arrested.
0: Correct. It was
1: discovered that another serial killer, Good. Sean Vincent Gillis, was operating in the Baton Rouge area during the same time as Lee. And he was a white. So maybe that FBI profile that was so wrong was because they were combining the two? Yes. Makes sense. What I'm wondering. Also, I just realized that I said he was a white <laughs> instead of just he was white. Did you do the weed? <laughs> yes. I saying, what? I just kept being wildly, wildly naive about saying stuff like that because it was so funny last night when they were getting so frustrated with me. <laughs> You don't do weed. I mean, you kind of do. You kind of do. It's fine. I don't know. I don't smoke of the doobies, guys. I don't partake in the doobs. In the ganja. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. So, anyway, back to murder. Uh, so, more attention was paid to cold cases of murdered women. After Derek Todd Lee was apprehended in 2003. uh, When certain cases could not be linked to Lee, investigators began to wonder if another serial killer had been in operation at the same time. Makes sense. Though Lee began his killing in 1992, between 1994 and 2003, there were two serial killers or more. They're still not sure if there was another one. Okay. um, Targeting the women in and around and just outside of the Baton Rouge area. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sean... Vincent Gillis. This fuck was born on June 24th, 1962 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to Norman and Yvonne Gillis. Uh, He struggled- struggling with alcoholism and mental illness, Norman Gillis left the family soon after Sean was born. Okay. Yvonne Gillis struggled to raise- (laughs) Yvonne. That's a a French-ass name. (laughs) That's a French-ass name, Yvonne. I'm sorry. That just popped into my head. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yvonne Gillis struggled to raise Sean alone while maintaining a full-time job at a local television, television station. Uh, his grandparents also took an active role in his life, often caring for him when Yvonne had to work. Gillis had all the characteristics of a normal child. After graduating from high school, he got a job at a convenience store, and when not at work, he spent much of his time on his computer looking at porno websites. Oh boy. Early 90s porno websites. (laughs) So, over time, Gillis' obsession to look at pornography online seemed to fester and affect his personality. He would skip work and other responsibilities in order to stay at home on his computer.
0: Now, that makes me think of Big Mouth when... Just
1: beat off all the time. When he was just like,
0: oh, do we have to go? But porn's not there. In
1: 1992, Yvonne decided to take a job in Atlanta. She asked Gillis to come with her, but he did not want to go. So she agreed to continue to pay the mortgage on the house so that Gillis had a place to live. Gillis, who is now 30, was living alone for the first time in his life. And he could do as he pleased. And he didn't have the financial burden of paying a mortgage or rent, right. apparently. So this was when his neighbors start to saw, see him late at night, sometimes in his yard, howling at the sky and cursing his mother for leaving him. Sir? Calm down, Ed Gein. Um, Um, They caught him peeping into the window of a young woman who had lived next door. Uh, They saw his friends coming and going and could sometimes smell the scent of marijuana from from his house. (laughs) They could smell the scent of the weeds (laughs) (laughs) from his house on hot summer nights. Uh, In 1994, Sean and Terry Lemion met each other through a mutual friend. They had similar hobbies and bonded quickly. Terry found Sean to be an underachiever, but kind and considerate. She helped him get a job at the same convenience store where she worked. Terry loved Gillis, but did not like that he was a heavy drinker. She also was confused by his lack of interest in sex.
0: Well, yeah, he jerks it
1: all off to the porn. A problem she eventually accepted and blamed on his addiction to pornography. Look at that. See? (laughs) It's like I knew. What she didn't realize was that Gillis's... Interest in porn was centered around sites that focused on rape, death, and dismemberment of women. Oh, no. Yeah. Never never good. She also did not know that in March of 1994, he began to act out on his fantasies. Um. So on March 20th of 1994, Anne Bryan, 81, was living Uh. at St. James Place. Grandma. Grandma. Which was an assisted living facility located across the street from the convenience store where Gillis worked. As she often would do, Anne left the door to her apartment unlocked before retiring to bed so that she did not have to get up late to let the nurse in the next morning. That was a mistake. Gillis entered Anne's apartment around 3 a.m. and stabbed her to death after his attempt to rape her failed. Oh, he slashed at her 47 times, almost fully decapitating and disemboweling her... He seemed fixated on stabbing at her face, genitals, and breast. Wow. Okay. Uh, Her murder shocked the Baton Rouge community. It would be another 10 years before her murderer was caught and five years before Gillis would attack again. But once he started back, his list of victims grew very quickly. So he didn't murder again until 99? Uh, Yeah, five years. So in May of 99... He began stalking a woman he had seen jogging in the South Baton Rouge area. He spent three weeks driving around the area looking for her around 5.30 a.m. on May 30th, 1999. He saw 52-year-old Hardy Schmidt jogging on Quail Run Drive. Two days later, her body was found in a bayou off the Highway 61 in St. James Parish. He later confessed that he hit Schmidt with his car, knocking her into a ditch. He got out, placed a heavy wire plastic wrap tightly around her neck, and forced her into the car. He drove to a park off of highland road and raped her and then killed her he put her nude corpse into the trunk of his car and left it there until dumping it two days later uh gillis would go on to kill for five more years the murders unconnected and his presence unknown to law enforcement i hate
0: him I so hate has everything about him
1: victims included Catherine ann hall age 29 murdered murdered in january of 1999 Joyce Williams, age 36, murdered in November of 1999. Lillian Robinson, 52, murdered in January of 2000. Marilyn Nevels, 38, murdered in October of 2000. And Johnny May Williams, age 45, murdered in October of 2003. Uh. And I was really kind of mad because they didn't have, not that I I want to read gruesome details, but they really right, didn't give they a of, lot of details on the victims when I was trying to research.
0: Right. But it's <laughs>
1: like, I, I
0: want to have a little bit... In, I want to know more about them rather yeah. than this person. They were this old and this
1: is what happened to them. So Donna Bennett Johnston, 43 years old was Gillis's eighth and final victim in February of 2004. She was raped and strangled with a nylon tie wrap after death. G- Gillis mutilated her body, slashing her breasts, cutting off her left nipple, gouging out a tattoo on her right thigh and severing her arm at the elbow. They also believe he may have cannibalized some of his victims, but they can't pr- they don't know for sure. I wouldn't be surprised. He seems to kind of just do what he feels at the moment. uh, Her body was found on February 27th, 2004 in a drainage canal near Ben Hur Road, south of Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge. The murder of Donna Bennett Johnston was what finally led police, like I said, to Sean Gillis's door. Pictures of her murder scene revealed fire revealed tire tracks near where her body was found. With the help of engineers at the Goodyear Tire Company, the police were able to identify the tire and had a list of everyone who bought it in Baton Rouge. They then set out to contact all of the people on the list in order to get a DNA sample and Sean Vincent Gillett was number 20 Gillis was number 26 on the list. Okay, so he was on the list, but So on April 29th, 2004, Gillis was arrested for murder after his DNA sample matched the DNA found on hairs on two of his victims. It did not take long for Gillis to start confessing after he was in police custody. Uh, the detective sat listening to Gillis proudly describe the do- grotesque details of each and every one of his murders. At times he laughed and joked as he described how he had cut off the arm of one victim consumed the flesh of another and raped the corpses of others and masturbated with several parts of the victim's bodies ew all right now now i'm getting like kemper vibes happening Mm -hmm. after gillis was arrested a search of his home turned up 45 digital images of his on his computer of the mutilated body of donna johnston during that time gillis remained in jail awaiting his trial he exchanged letters with a tammy pupil Pure para, which was a friend of victim Donna Johnston. In the letters, he describes the murder of her friend and for the first time even showed a glimpse of remorse. He said she was so drunk it only took about a minute and a half to succumb to unconsciousness and then death. Honestly, her last words were, I can't breathe. I still puzzle over the postmortem dismemberment and cutting. There must be something deep in my subconscious that really needs that that kind of uh, macabre action.
0: That's weird.
1: That's fairly disassociative. Where he's like, I don't get it, but I do it. Um, Donna's friend Tammy, um, who was receiving these letters, died of AIDS not long after receiving Uh the letters. She did, however, have the opportunity before dying to give them to the police. Gillis was arrested and charged with the murders of Catherine Hall, Johnny May, Williams, and Donna Bennett Johnston. He stood trial for these crimes on July 21st, 2008, and was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. A year prior to that, he had pled guilty to second-degree murder and was convicted in the killing of the 36-year-old William, Joyce Williams. To date, he has been charged and convicted of seven of the eight murders. Police are still trying to gather more evidence uh, to charge him with the murder of Lillian Robinson. Do they think that that's all of the murders that he... I think so, because he was just so open and willing to discuss. That's fair. That he, um... And he also did a... Um, was it Henry Lee Lucas that liked to confess the confession? Yeah. He also was confessing to other ones, and they are like, no, he didn't do it. So they think right, he that... he clearly did not do that. These ones we can actually link him to. Yeah, they think that that's it. Okay. Wow. And I mean, he had a pretty clear signature. He was very violent, so... Well, it
0: was very violent and very, like... Seems like very, like, disorganized. Yeah. Because he kind of just... This is what I feel like I'm going to do. Well, it it was a mixture he
1: he did stalk his victims. Well, right. But, yeah. But, I mean, the actual action seems very disorganized. Mm -hmm. So, when you Google Baton Rouge killer, these two are the main ones that pop up. So, they're both considered the Baton Rouge killer. But Derek Todd Lee was, is technically got the moniker.
0: But because they were acting at the same time Mm -hmm. and
1: whatever, it kind of... They kind of blend together. Yeah. That's so crazy. Now I gotta know what this guy looks like. So they were hunt. I'm gonna say it, they were hunting in the same area, which Baton Rouge isn't that big. No. That's so weird. He looks like a
0: creep. He looks like a creep. I'm like, sure. the other guy looks like a teddy bear. This guy looks like a creep. He looks like the kind of guy that you would find, like, trolling around mm-hmm like schools and shit doing uncomfortable yeah. things mm-hmm you okay well good job thank very you very interesting i'm surprised i hadn't heard of either of those i know um because they're both pretty like fucking weird like, and
1: honestly i found out about them because i was watching criminal minds and mm-hmm. they referenced the baton rouge killer Because they're like, your profile, they were questioning a profile, and they're like, your profile was wrong when it came to... But what about the Baton Rouge killer? Yeah. And Uh, I was like, is that a real thing? And I fucking Googled it, and I was like, it is!
0: I know a lot of times when they're, like, referencing things outside of what the case is on that Mm -hmm. show, they're referencing the real thing. So people can actually look up the information,
1: which is kind of cool. So I was like, "Is is that a real thing? And that's when I was like, oh, it is! Wow. Shit, man.
0: That's just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine being the police at that time, like right, same like in California when yeah, when everything was happening, you know that for like twenty five (laughs) years, that there was just like one after another and overlapping and yeah, shit, yeah. No, it's
1: wow, wow, wow. All right, are you ready to hear my story? I am. My head is fucking pounding. Well, we're almost done. I know. I'm sorry. I'm focused. Um. Uh, so
0: I'm gonna tell you another child abduction story.
1: It makes me sad.
0: This one's from um 1927. So it's okay. it's older, um, but it's still fucking weird, and I'm surprised I hadn't heard about it. So I'm gonna tell you about the abduction of Marion Parker. So Marion Parker was a twelve-year-old girl. Another one. Another one. Um, born October 11th of 1915, who lived with her parents Perry and Geraldine, and her siblings, her older brother Perry Jr. and her twin sister Marjorie. Uh, they also had a puppy. Hmm. They lived right outside of LA, so like right on the outskirts. Uh, another California case too, <laughs> huh? Didn't even think about that. <laughs> They lived about a mile from the school that they went to, and they would regular take regularly take the streetcar back and forth from school to this Mount this Mount Vernon Junior High School, which is still standing, but now it's called the Johnny Cochran Middle School. Okay. Uh, Thursday, December fifteenth, nineteen twenty seven, a man driving a dark Chrysler coupe parked in front of the school rushed inside of the school into the office. And said that he worked at the First National Bank. Uh, Perry Parker, the dad, was his boss. And he was in a serious car accident. And he was asking for his young daughter. This is what he told the... He was asking for his daughter. And that he was sent to go get her for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Apparently, he wasn't aware that he had twins. Twin girls. And so when the school was like... the, the A daughter, which daughter... Mm-hmm. He was, like, the younger one. Well, they're twins, so... But, for whatever reason, uh, the school allowed Marion, who...
1: Why wouldn't they bring all of them? I
0: don't know. Um, to leave with this man. Mary Holt, who was the register at the um, office, n- said that she never would have let Mary Marion go with the man, but for... His apparent sincerity and disarming manner. So mm. she said it seemed like he was genuinely upset trying to get this stuff done, like panicked, nerve, you know, like it was just, she's like, it seemed legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so she obviously never returned home, Marion. Um, and she was reported missing later that day when she didn't get home from school. Uh, The next day, the family received a note asking for $1,500 in $20 gold gold certificates for Marion's safe return. uh, And also stated that to do, quote, positively nothing till you receive special delivery letter. Uh, This also seemed to have Marion's signature on it. So it was like a ransom letter and then they had her sign it for proof of being alive and with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... (sighs) Hmm. And after this was received, there were more letters. Uh, they were signed different names. One was signed George Fox, the rest were signed things like Fox or Fate or Death. Uh, they also had some words in Greek written on them, specifically, the word Death in Greek was written on one of them. The second letter that they got said, Marion Secure, use good judgment. Interference with my plan is dangerous. That was it. Like, they mm-hmm. were getting them through um, Telegram. So, okay. so it's like... Okay. It's, it's like faxing it to them. You know, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't... There was no way of really tracing it. So it was just... It's weird to imagine. I'm hard, It's hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. So other quotes from the letters were... Th- well, one of the other quotes from the letter was, no one will ever see your girl again, except for the angels in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, Perry went to the rendezvous point, their first rendezvous point, point. And waited for the coop to pull up. Um, prior to the meeting, Perry had recorded all of the serial numbers uh, that are on the gold... Cer- oh, is it upstairs? I was like, what is this? <laughs> uh, that were on the gold certificates for identification later. Uh, the first meet- meetup failed when the kidnapper saw that police had followed Perry. He never showed up and Perry sat there for hours waiting for this guy. The next That's so day... Sad. So this all happened like within a couple days,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. the next day was December 17th, so that was only two days after getting taken from school. Mm-hmm. Um, the Parkers received more telegram letters uh, stating that it was the last day before she would, she would be killed. Um, attached to these letters were ones in Marion's handwriting, pleading for her father to follow the instructions and no police, and please, like, come save me, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got the go-ahead from the police. Okay, you can go by yourself. We will, you know, whatever. Uh, they received another one saying, PM Park, please recover your senses. I wanted your money rather than to kill your child. But so far, you have given me no other alternative. Then they got one saying that Fox is my name. Very sly, you know. Uh, set no traps. I'll watch for them. Get this straight. Remember what life Hey. Ha- remember that life hang hangs by a thread. I have a Gillette ready and able to handle the situation. Mm. So basically don't set a trap or I'll kill your kid. Yep. She's done. If you do, uh, there were a few calls that evening of December 17th to the Parker home to establish a time and a place for them to meet. Um, they were short, Mm -hmm. Little calls, but at 7.15, the man called and told Perry to depart immediately from his place and go to the central LA rendezvous point that he said,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and uh, that he would recognize Perry's car, and so he'll find him. Okay?
1: This is so sad, because, you know, like, I can tell, like, feel the desperation of the parents. I know. just like, we'll do anything, just give her back. Right,
0: we'll figure out the money, we'll figure out the stuff, I'll come by myself, like, I'm Mm -hmm. not just give her back, right? So Perry came to the location. It was about 8 o'clock when he arrived in the middle of L.A. Um, soon, enough it, soon enough, he saw the coupe pull up. He saw Marion sitting in the front seat. Um, she looked motionless, and her eyes were open. Her mouth was slightly open. When Perry called out to her, she didn't respond but, at all. He figured she had been drugged that she was just kind of like mm-hmm. in a vegetative state. Uh, the driver got out and with a sawed off shotgun, he held and a white uh, handkerchief his, over his face to disguise his uh, who mm-hmm. he is. He went up to Perry. He pointed the gun at him and said, you know what I'm here for and here's your daughter. She's asleep. Give me the money and follow instructions. So Perry throws the money bag at him and the car he the guy grabbed the bag went back to the car and took off and so perry's standing there watching but about 200 feet down the road the car pulled over again opened the passenger door and then pushed marion out of the car Mm -hmm. and took off again onto the lawn it was right there so perry ran to his daughter and cradled her in his arms and soon he realized (laughs) that she was dead
1: I don't, I don't want
0: to laugh, but I'm very, I'm unprepared to have to say the next part. Her arms had been cut off at the elbow and her legs had been cut off at the knee. She was cut open and her organs were missing. Inside of her was placed towels and newspaper. She was also missing the very lower half of her torso. So she had been like MacGyvered as just this like upper torso with her arms and head. Um, Why? I, I don't know. Um, sorry, I'm just like <laughs> uh, around her neck was a wire that went up the back of her head and tied around her forehead in her hairline to hold her head up to make it look like she was aware. Why? Um, and her eyes had been sewn open with black thread to make <sighs> her look awake. I'm just, I'm just this like is
1: horrific. <sighs>
0: I, I know! I'm like, another thing where I'm like, how did I not ever hear about this? This is fucking gross and terrifying. Um,
1: also, m- hey guys, warning.
0: I feel like, I feel like if you've been around, <laughs> you know that it. we don't shy away from the gruesome details if we can have, find them. Um. So the medical examiner found that she had been killed only a few hours before her before she, the meeting, oh,
1: nice. um,
0: marking her death as December seventeenth of nineteen twenty-seven, uh, the cause of death was exterior mutilation of the body.
1: So she was alive when that happened. Yes. What the
0: fuck? Um, this turned the case upside. I fucking know. What the fuck? I. I know. I. So uh, this was one of those that I saw a little like non-detailed, I'm happy. right? I saw a little non-detailed clip about this case, and then I dug into it. And I'm like, holy fucking shit! This is disturbing. Okay. So this turned the case upside down. Um, it went from just a kidnapping where everybody was interested in, like, finding her, to a murder. And the whole community went fucking berserk. Um, wanted to help in any way possible. They put together a $50,000, um, reward for finding the murderer, um, in the area. So in the area of Dodger Stadium, not long after this, some children found six newspaper and towel wrapped bundles. Mm -hmm. Uh, they contained Marion's arms, legs, organs, and the lower part of her torso that was missing why i just don't under yeah no i don't know um one of the towels used was a major clue in the murder um there was a label on it for the Vel- bellevue arms apartment and so this led to the man that ended the man that uh perpetrated this um this man was william hickman who was 19 years old um a former coworker of perry Hickman had been arrested a year earlier on a complaint of stolen stolen and forged checks totaling at about $400, which is closer to like a few thousand now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Perry's the one who made the complaint because he found out about it.
1: So it's like revenge. Yes.
0: He was convicted and sentenced to probation. And during this time, he was plotting his revenge mm. to get back at Perry. Uh, Hickman was arrested five days after the murder. Um, driving a stolen car because he had dumped his coupe. That was found like a couple days later, so they knew he wasn't driving the coupe anymore. I'm like, I don't know why I didn't write that down, but I read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he was driving a stolen car, and with him he had a sawed-off shotgun, a small handgun, and fourteen thousand in in the cash, like certificates mm-hmm. that marked that were marked by Perry. So they knew that they were the ones that were handed over <sighs> to the kidnapper. Uh They charged him with murder of ma- of murder. I'm sorry, my brain all of a sudden went crazy, and I like was on a skipping buffering. record. yep um, they charged him with the murder of Marion Parker. He ended up making a full confession, going into more detail as to what had happened to Marion, how he strangled her, and then disarticulated her limbs and disemboweled her while she was still alive um The trial was at L.A. Hall of Justice, which was brand new, like only a couple years old at the time. So they had just built it. He pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, which was one of the very first ones in California history when it was made a legal plea. Mm -hmm. uh, Claiming that he, a deity named Providence, had instructed him to do this. This was thrown out when there was a note that was found that he had written to a different prisoner. Asking how to act crazy in court. So they're like, okay, clearly you're just acting crazy. Like, you're not actually having issues. Um, There were hundreds of reporters and spectators that tried to get in to see the trial, including Edgar Rice Burroughs, who is the author of Tarzan. Um, He was working for the L.A. Examiner at the time. And so he was reporting on it for them. Uh, crowds gathered outside of the courtroom chanting for justice and Hickman's blood. Uh, The trial took 13 days, and the jury only took 36 minutes to come to a guilty verdict on all charges. Mm -hmm. And Hickman was sentenced to death, and this was carried out in October of 1928, so about a year later. He was hung at San Quentin Prison. Marion was cremated after her body was found, and they were done examining it. It was like within a couple days afterwards. Mm -hmm. And a random fact, random thing. In 1990, uh, there were, there was a publication that listed LA haunted spots and the Parker house is on that list. So it's like a historical place now in LA, which is kind of crazy to me because again, never heard of it. Mm -hmm. Never. Yeah. But that is the case of the abduction and murder of, Marion Parker Well, that was fucking horrific I know thank you for sharing that you're welcome you're welcome I was surprised as to how many details I found because when they're older like that a lot of times it's very like not I wouldn't say broad but it's very uh, just a general like oh and then she was mutilated Mm -hmm. or she was you know but I oh my gosh I was not I wasn't ready
1: she wasn't ready (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah. Alright. That was it. That was it. How's it, your head? It really fucking hurts. All of i still so it. So I don't know where it came from. I had like a just normal headache and then halfway through recording the episode, the first episode, I was like, what is that in my eye? And I'm like, nope, that's just spots. And now it's just... You're like, oh, great. Migraine. Sweet. It's coming. I feel it. Those fucking visual things. It's always crazy. I can
0: always tell when my migraines are happening.
1: My Where it hurts, vision. I normally lose vision in whichever eye is opposite the side I have pain. I haven't done that yet, so it hasn't
0: fully hit. And my migraines are always on the same side in the same spot. It's always this eye that I get that like floating thing in that makes everything look like a prism. Mm-hmm. And then I don't necessarily like go black, lose vision. I like just ke- nothing will focus at no, all. I just on get this side. I
1: get I have peripherals, but I lose right in the center. Yeah. I get a big black bar, basically. And I can do this, and it's my hand, and then black, and then bar. Interesting. Anyway. anyway. Hi, guys. <laughs> that was Migraine Corner. Thanks for listening. Love like, you all. rate, review, follow, send us your suggestions of cases you want to hear us tell, or mm-hmm. cases you want to know more about. Or just cases that you think we would be interested in, because... Or if I'm you all have any it. stories to tell us.
0: Yeah, if you got some fucked up Weird stories, dating stories, creepy stories. Creepy stories, haunted stories. Tell us. Shit, son. I Share like all that macabre stuff. Be one with us. Oh, so
1: also don't forget to spread the word. And uh you spread yourself now, kids. No, hey. not kids. Hey. Not... <laughs> 18 and older consenting adults should spread themselves. I'm just saying that the mask stuff is starting to get lifted. You can spread yourself everywhere if you yeah, want. if you want. Orally. <laughs> if you want to spread those lips. Oh. Oh. Alright, we're I just was, gonna. I was this thinking is... your mouth, but then I said lips and it made it weird. We're, this is falling apart. We're gonna go. Bye, guys. Okay, bye.